Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the episode nine of the Replenish Me Show. Today, I want to let you know that our show is brought to you by our sponsor, our sponsor Audible.com. Audible.com is the world's leader in spoken audio drop, um, audio, uh, spoken audio for books and for other types of um, literature. And if you go to the drop-down menu box, type in Life Coach Radio Network for a chance to win a month of a free trial. So welcome to episode nine. My name is Cordelia Gaffar. I'm the hostess of the Replenish Me show, where women listen in to strategies to propel themselves to success. I help women to have a body soul shift by using their emotions as a power source so that they can use um, sweet talk to reframe their perspective and flow into the ultimate life's purpose. If you need a body soul shift, take the quiz. Go to www.bodysoulshift.com. Today we have a beautiful guest, Catherine Jones, and she is an author, motivational speaker, and a coach who helps women um, to who she, who she leads uh, women into authenticity so that they can take charge of their work and life. In our interview, we'll discuss how important it is to support women who are starting or growing their business. And this is why I've chosen the title, Women in Business, the Outer Sisterhood. Welcome to the show, Catherine. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here today. I'm very happy to be able to contribute to to this show and and talk to you today. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, assalamu alaikum. You know, this um, today I'm actually excited to have like my first show of the year, and you know, I was listening to myself as I was doing the introduction. Usually, it flows really nicely, but today, you know, I stumbled upon some of my words, and that's just, you know, the the space that I'm in today. But I know that our conversation will continue and flow beautifully. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and how you chose to work with specifically Muslim women who are starting business? Sure. Okay. And as far as stumbling words go, I have this motto in business that it's about massive imperfect action. Mm. So imperfection is awesome because that (laughs) means we're actually doing something. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I, I see myself as a social entrepreneur because I mm-hmm. want to make my work a part of social change. And I kind of stumbled into this kind of role. So I was, well, I started in the IT industry, spent 13 years um, in the IT industry, working my way up through, you know, corporate um, IT and decided that that wasn't going well for me as far as being a nurturing mum because I became very left-brained and task-oriented and of course we all know that the tasks never end with children so you just end up frustrated trying to tick off tasks when it comes to kids yeah. so I moved more into an educational space so I started working in the local Islamic school uh, doing uh, teaching ESL and working with the 
special needs children and really enjoyed that. So I decided to do a graduate diploma in teaching. And at the Mm. same time I was doing the graduate diploma in teaching, I just happened to be a part of a parenting program that just changed everything for me and my kids. So we, we were fairly emotionally broken and really struggling because of, you know, my first marriage being quite a um, abusive marriage and trying to piece our lives together. And this parenting program just gave me everything I needed for me to heal and to help my children heal and for us to move forward as a family. And so while I was training to become a classroom teacher, my passion started to lend towards um, wanting to teach other women or uh, particularly in our Muslim community about this form of parenting. And so I started just running courses or classes online and then sort of started to have this bigger vision about changing the world. I don't like to think small, got to think big. Um, (laughs) You wanted to change the whole world. And so um, I started going down this entrepreneurial path and never became a classroom teacher Hmm. but I have all that education so I have the technology technological skills behind me with my IT background and I have the teaching skills behind me from my teaching background and it all came together beautifully to become an entrepreneur and I naturally have that kind of nature that works well connecting with people so that as far as becoming a coach was concerned that just was an a natural progression and so my parenting classes ended up becoming long-term parenting coaching programs and where it kind of switched into business coaching it, it, all this just evolved right there wasn't a set plan at the beginning right my whole my whole vision just kept growing and evolving so what happened was I'm teaching the mums to put themselves first because they need to put themselves first in order to show up as the beautiful mums that they want to be or that they already are, but they're struggling because they're not putting themselves first. They're drained and under-resourced and they weren't listening, you know, all these excuses. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do a summit. All these people are doing summits. I'm going to do a summit where I'm going to teach them, get a whole bunch of experts to tell them why it's important to put themselves first. And Mm. so the Me First Summit was born. Now, behind the scenes, not at the forefront of my business, but behind the scenes, there was just these few sisters who I'd known for a a while that I was doing some technical support, business technical support, teaching them how to put funnels together and things like that, that we just did on the side because they knew that I was a wizard, that sort of thing, and wanted me to show them how to do it. (laughs) And it became clear that many of my speakers, because a lot of the experts that I found weren't really prominent online themselves they were more experts offline and so hadn't really come into the online space needed support putting together their online presence to really benefit from the summit and so I created a program pretty much overnight called claim your tribe so that that they could Mm -hmm. go out there and claim their tribe online uh, in order to support them in creating their online presence so that they could share their expertise with the women globally who were going to participate in the summit. And so that's where my business coaching is, is stemmed from. So as you can see, everything just keeps unfolding. I love and, that. Yeah. And so things unfolded even more for me when I 
came to understand about the inside out paradigm and became a certified inside out paradigm coach and understand and understood our emotional well-being um, in such a deeper way that also really connected well with our, our religion and mm-hmm. became the extension of my parenting program because parenting program was parenting from a peaceful place inside. And the struggle the women were having was finding that peaceful place inside. So the emotional well-being work fitted perfectly as being the extension of the parenting work was helping them find that inner peace, find the confidence, the resilience and the patience that they need to be awesome parents. So this is one key side of my business is the parenting and emotional well-being of Muslim women. The reason I focus on Muslim women is I am a Muslim woman myself. Mm-hmm. I see how much oppression that we are experiencing as a community because of the global politics, because of cultural beliefs that aren't really related to the religion. And as women, we tend, as Muslim women, we tend to be right at the bottom of the pile, copying a lot of the oppression. And so I'm really passionate about being a part of that solution of ending oppression for Muslim women. But the reason why I also include the business coaching is because I can only make a small difference in the world on my own. If I'm able to bring more experts online who are experts in their field supporting Muslim women then together we can actually make a bigger difference and together we can end the oppression of Muslim women so that's my big umbrella goal that has evolved that by parenting our next generation better we're going to make sure the next generation does a better job than we do by being emotionally um, stable we're going to do a much better job of living this life and we're going to free ourselves from oppression and by helping other experts get online, I'm helping more people help that happen. So that's how it all fits together. I love it. I you, love know, it. I, you know, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to bring up a couple of things. Um, so I, I love that you're bringing out that peaceful parenting is very important and women um, are the pillars of society, right? Because we're raising the next generation. Yeah. And and also the fact that you're working specifically with Muslim women, and I want to speak to the oppression that you're talking about because um, you bring up a really interesting point. We have layers of oppression, right? And it's not like people usually think like we're forced to dress the way we do, kind of oppression it's more of the, the, it's the larger society, right? That has the problem with us. That's the problem. And then even for people like us, like you're, you know, an Australian um, convert revert and I'm an American convert revert, however you call it. Right. We went from, right just being a woman, which already left us at the bottom, <laughs> to <laughs> being a woman who's covered. So now people talk to us like we don't even, you know, like English is not our first language. Like we don't yes. have a college degree or a master's degree. You know what I mean? And yes. so when I just want to bring that point out when you are talking about oppression, because so often people say that we're oppressed by like our culture and by our men. But really, 
the bigger oppression that we suffer is not with, it is to some extent within the community, but it's more, you know, just getting to the grocery store, right? So it's, it's even more subtle than, than just the, the grocery store. In fact, the, 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 I think the hardest oppression for me to deal with is seeing how my children do not have the privileges I had growing up in the same country just because you know, they look a bit different and because we have slightly different beliefs. And it's not just the bullying in the schoolyard with children, it's the way they're treated differently within the school system. The subtle yeah. oppression that, and this, this comes from, and I'm white by the way, so I feel quite confident in criticizing white thinking because it's something I've had to challenge in myself as well because I grew up with it and I could see me using that thinking and how oppressive that thinking is but it's so subtle and this is this is how it works you have an expect a lower expectation of kids that aren't white that come from a different cultural religious or colored racial background and when you have a lower expectation People don't step up. And so it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so the results you get out of those kids fulfill the prophecy of, you see, we don't expect those results from those kids. So I experienced in our school system that when my children were suffering or struggling academically, that they didn't kick in and try and help them. And they didn't let me know that they were struggling until it was like assessment time and it was too late to do anything about it. Like, oh, your kid hasn't handed everything up. No one alerted me earlier in the process. And yet when, when it comes to the other side of the scale, which is behavior, they expect that it's always the kids from this background that are the problem. So whenever there's a problem, they're the first ones to get the blame. If there's a problem, they get a harsher penalty than everybody else. And that happened to my children too. And what happens when you do that, when you blame people unjustly over and over again what happens is they step into it and go well I might as well run amok because I'm going to get the blame anyway and so then you have again the self-fulfilling prophecy you see you can't they are going to behave worse and so this is the really awful subtle um, discrimination and oppression that our kids experience and that's the one that I have struggled with the most as a mother because you, when you see your children trying so hard and the system just squashing them down the whole time, it, it's really heartbreaking. And that's why your peaceful parenting is important. And that, but more than the peaceful parenting, that's why your um, emotional intelligence piece is important because, yes. right, the yes. um, Muslim women, right, now going back to um, your story, the Muslim women are women of color, women from this background that were once upon a time children who grew up in the system. So they've got years, right, of that within them. And so then when yes. they see this happening to their children, just like you, it's just like the frustration, right? Your childhood, and we already know that from psychology that, you know, whatever's going on for your inner child, it comes up when you start parenting. And so yes. um, that's, what I love and that's why I named the show the outer sisterhood because that's when we need to support each other right yes um, yes. with that emotional intelligence and and that's why you know you hear me talking about the um using emotions as a power source 
So I have like a different perspective on that. And I just want to lean more into uh, what it is that you do from that emotional intelligence perspective um, and some case studies of women in work. Sure. So my belief is that if, if we work on the, uh, let me put it like this, the toughest oppression of all, which is our own internalized oppression, our own mm-hmm. self-oppression, if we work on that, the rest of the oppressions tumble away because people can't oppress you if you're not impress, uh, oppressing yourself. Mm-hmm. And so my goal is to, to work on not just our women but our youth. I'm actually get, becoming certified in a curriculum for teaching in schools to build um, emotional resilience in our kids so that they grow up with this resilience rather than have to find it as an adult. Um, that if, if we shed all that negative self-talk, I know you talk about um, sweet talk, is it? Um, what was your, what, yeah. So if we shed all the opposite of the sweet talk, the negative talk that's going on, the stories that we have in our head about who we are that are holding us back and um. And, and let ourselves free from that, then we're able to navigate all the other oppressions quite successfully. We're able to set limits, set boundaries, to take charge, step up. That's why my book's called Step Up, Embrace the Leader Within. The leader within that's the most important um, leader to rediscover. Like every single person has that in them. I believe every single person already has confidence, resilience, the patience, the leadership and everything within them that they need. It's just they can't see it and they can't see it because of all the stories and all the the messaging and everything that's going on for them that's making it unclear. The way I look at it is it's like we're driving through this life in a fog. So when you're driving through a fog, you can't see where you're going. It's dangerous. There's obstacles. You, You bump into the obstacles smack on and you have to, you know, you have accidents. But when we get rid of that fog and we can see the way clearly, we can navigate around the obstacles. We can see where we're going. We can take charge and just go for that direction. And that's how I see it. It's about removing that fog so we can see our way. I love that. That is like the perfect analogy. That's exactly what it is. It is a fog. Yeah. And interestingly, I love the word fog because that describes it really well. But if you look at the, at the word fog as a, what do you call it? Um, oh, I forget. Anyway, the, a short version of words. For F stands for fear. O, o stands for obligation and G stands for guilt. Fear, mm-hmm. obligation and guilt. What are the main things that are the driving forces of, of negativity, if we want to put it that way? It's fear obligation and guilt Mm. yeah that's absolutely true so yeah it's it's i i truly believe if we work at the grassroots level then we're working at our own individual level what makes that so hopeful is it means every single one of us can be part of the solution we I think that the solution comes from the grassroots up, not from 
us looking at our leadership and, uh, and expecting our leadership to change things because I tell you the flaw in all of that. Most of our leadership, for instance, are men for a start, so they don't really understand what we need as women. Um, mm-hmm. Most of our leadership, uh, well, here in Australia, statistically, because I was just at a women in leadership conference, I was a speaker there. The statistics are that I think three, two thirds, three quarters of the senior management where I live is still white men from the age of 45 to 60. Wow. So it's a very small demographic. So they don't actually understand what it feels like to be oppressed. So they can't actually help us because they don't get it. Not because they wouldn't want to, because I heard many male speakers speak about wanting to and would, and they would love to be part of the solution, but they have come from the, groups that haven't felt oppression to really understand how to fix the problem and so we're all looking above us to say you know help us you know bring the help the help comes from within each and every one of us it's each and every one of us steps into our own personal growth journey to embracing that leader within us then we have the solution happening yeah so I, I love that you you help women to break through their fog and dig deep and find their leader within. Um, I want to touch a little bit more on that because I was part of now your your me first summit has different versions, right? Are you doing that? Um, how, how often do you do the summit? So the summit moving forward is going to be annually. I did do a Me First Ramadan um, last year additionally, but I discovered it was a bit too much to run two summits in a year. So it's just going to be annually. And this coming year, um, well, this year, actually, we're in it already, 2019. (laughs) Um, This year, it's going to be Me First Legacy. So each year, it's a, a new theme. It was Me First Summit the first year, which was called Um, the caring for the caregiver first the second Mm. one was me first um, me first revolution which was embrace the leader within so it was all the topic about finding that leader within us me first ramadan was putting our relationship with Allah first and Mm -hmm. this year me first legacy is about what will you be remembered for so um, the me first summit's that you've put together, you you helped, I guess, the first group of women and supported them in building their businesses. Is there any particular woman women out of that first group that you've just seen really propel their business and their life that you would like to um, share about? I think there's a number of women um, some, some have gone on um, to do things for a while afterwards and had these amazing opportunities. Um, some are much quieter, so you wouldn't see them out there, but they're doing amazing things. I, from the second summit. You don't have um, to say their name, you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that <laughs> might be a good idea because I haven't asked their permission to share their stories. Okay. Um, okay. Just, so some of, some of the results that the, the women who've participated in the summit seen is that it was 
their launch out there into the online space that opportunities like becoming speakers or filling up their courses, their programs with people um, happened much easier as a result of having been showcased in the summit. So one of the things I see the summit as being is the way in which we connect the experts with the people who need them. So it's all very well for me to help experts get online. But as you and I know, digital marketing, online marketing, it's, it's a whole new degree of knowledge yeah. in itself. And so unless you actually have a proper strategy and a proper online marketing platform in place, no one will know about you. So it's all in vain. You know, can you have this expert sitting there who's absolutely brilliant, but with no one to help because no one knows about them. So I see the summit and the reason why I keep running it year after year as the opportunity to bring the experts and the people who need them together. Um, and that has certainly been the result for quite a number. I mean, I've, I've now probably interviewed 70 to 80. I can't remember exactly how many women in the summit. So it's pretty hard to say what all of their results were. There's so many of them to check in on, but I see them out there and they're all doing amazing things. And it's, the, the thing I love the most about the summer is doing the interviews and meeting the most extraordinary women. Mm. And the other thing I love about the summer is the fact that we're showcasing how amazing Muslim women are because we're portrayed out there as this subservient, <laughs> lost, oppressed, uneducated bunch of people. <laughs> and that's not us at all. I mean, some of the, mo some of the women that I would interview, they're just so much more educated and knowledgeable and wiser than I am. And some yeah. of my closest friends that I've made since being a Muslim, you know, they have so many degrees and PhDs and such um, amazing qualifications and experience. So it's also, I think, changes the worldview of Muslim women and how important that, that is important to breaking the negative stereotype that's out there. Yeah, I I um I would have to say, you know, a couple of things. I don't know all of the women that you have um, had in your summit, but I've come across quite a few of them, and they are um, superstars. You know, <laughs> like when I grew up, I want to be them. You know, so. Um, yeah. But like I said, you, you know, we we don't have the permission to disclose their names, but um, I I do I I do love that you are part of breaking the stereotype of what um, a Muslim woman is normally portrayed as. There's no other, you know, people to do that than us, right? And yes. that's, that's part of, you know, um, showing the solidarity as sisters out there in the world. Not that we are not sisters with women who are not Muslim, but like you said earlier, if we don't lift each other up in the world, you know, it's not like our non-Muslim sisters are going to come and reach out for us, you know? So, I mean, that's not, that's not a, you know, an absolute um, truth, but for the most part, you know, we have to pull our leader up within ourselves and then with each other. So I love that. With that, I wanted to take a really brief break and, um, I'm going to, again, talk about one of our sponsors, and 
and also let you know about uh, another show that we have on the Life Coach Radio Network, which is the Undivided Show um, with Frank Maduri. He is also my mentor since I've come to live radio. You do want to tune in on the first and third Wednesdays for the Undivided Show. And he has um, some very, um, I guess, uh, thought-provoking topics. Actually, the topic we're talking about tonight, he will have me as a guest on his show coming up in February. And so um, to talk about exactly what we're talking about, what is it like to be a Muslim um, in the online space. Also, like I said, audible.com is the world's leader in spoken audio. So do um, go to the drop-down menu box and type in Life Coach Radio Network for a chance to win um, a month's free trial. Um, and one last announcement. Um, I do have a webinar coming up on January 14th, and it's How to Calm Your Body and Shift Your Soul. You can go to workoutaroundmyday.com to find out more about that. So, um, Catherine, let's let's carry on and see. I want to talk a little bit more about your book, Step Up, Embrace the Leader Within. So, mm-hmm. where um, where did you know? Just tell me more about how that came up. And did you also have? I haven't read the book. I apologize. But did you also talk about other women in that book, or was that just kind of like a an autobiography, autobiography a little bit. Okay. So I wanted to write a book, um, mostly as I'd heard many people say, it's your business card on steroids when you're in, in business. And originally it was going to be a parenting book, but my, my vision was kind of expanding beyond parenting. And so I thought I needed to write something that really, embraced the whole um, message that I want out there and so I came up with step up embrace the leader within because I found that that was the words that kept coming out of my mouth all the time actually Um, the idea of the book is not so much to be an autobiography however I do share a lot of intimate um, details about my life in there Um, not the gory details but just the emotional state that I found myself in in certain stages in life and then how that shifted. And the idea of sharing that was to share the message of hope. My goal is that if the reader at the end of the book can see that there is hope, then I've done my job because it's really meant to be just that first step in the journey of working on our own selves, seeing how important it is. So I share my journey of what I learned and how um, along the way that were the stepping stones for me getting to, well, basically from being this totally broken person, I had completely shut down emotionally so that I didn't have to feel. And I was so physically broken that my doctor had actually said to me, and it was the whole motivating factor for me to get out of that marriage was who's going to look after your children if you die? Because she was worried I was actually going to die. I was that unwell. 
And so spiritually I was hanging on to a thread and it was that thread which was the last thing I had left because after she told me that I just prayed into my prayer mat for six weeks until the solution came to me. And so I unravel key points along that journey from that point there when I realized I had to do something and step up and be a leader of my life instead of stay a victim to where Mm. I am now where I'm obviously stepping right out and not just leading myself but leading others. And that's why, I mean, I think most of us who are really passionate about being a part of social change have usually experienced something pretty tough ourselves. That is what is the, the fire in our belly to make a difference in, in the world. And so the book is really um, covering aspects of my journey and really unpacking um, a lot about our own self-oppression and how I was oppressing myself. So it's not about blaming the other person Um, for being abusive but taking a responsibility of my part in it all um, Mm -hmm. and taking and showing that you can take charge of things and get yourself out of such situations and rebuild your life as well as you know your help your children you know recover and move forward as well so it's meant to be a book of hope it really does introduce the concept of the inside out paradigm which is really the core of my teachings when it comes to emotional well-being mm. and so it's, it's an introduction to that and the idea is that I, I really hope that from the book onwards that they will either follow me or somebody else who is is teaching about this paradigm to get themselves to that emotional well-being which I call fearless confidence, total resilience, mm. effortless patience and inner peace. Yes. Because from that space, you can do anything. (laughs) Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, exactly. You know, because a lot of women, I'm glad that you, you talked about it and you, you said it in that way. And I'm glad that you wrote your book from the perspective that you did, because we are responsible for our healing. And we also are responsible for, you know, forgiving ourselves, right? Because you made the best decisions that you could at the time. Right. But once yes. you you educated yourself, then you were able to make different decisions. And, yes. you know, you're now as a result of that. And it's really important for women to hear that and to understand that about themselves. You know, if if someone's listening and they're in, you know, a situation like in a relationship, um, a, a domestic violence relationship right now, they can listen to your story and know that, you know, this is who I am today. This is what I understand of the world today. But I know that I'm also capable of healing myself and having compassion for myself and not beating myself over the head once I pull myself out of here for this time. Because our lives are a journey, right? So we are we experience what we experience in different seasons. And um, it's very important to know that no matter what, you know, like the running thread through our entire conversation today is that we have a leader within and it's just up to us to find her. So we don't even need to find her because she's there. We just have to, rediscover her or uncover her or look you know what I mean when when we say find find her it's kind of like okay where do I look 
but we don't need to look because she's there. She's there. We just can't see it. We can't see it because of all the all oh, the things that are blocking us from seeing her there. Yeah. Uh, the language is language is really powerful, and when you start to understand the power of language, you you become quite sensitive to the language that we use. And so when we use words like um, that, we have to uh, find her. To me that's already adding work for the person who's already feeling really broken. And I don't want them to feel like it's hard work because it actually isn't. It's just about taking one step and then taking another step and then just keep doing that. And that's, that's the journey. Yes. And you're right. I mean, language is very important. That's, that's like with my concept of sweet talk, you know, it's, um, mm. it is really about, choosing your words your self-talk with you know um very carefully you know giving it some introspection giving it some heart um heart space before letting the words come out of your mouth um so that that's a really important point also i want to talk um a little bit more about what you're up to this year so what, what's your plan for 2019? So this year, inshallah, <laughs> we always say inshallah, like Allah willing, when we talk about the future, because it's in his hands, not ours. But yeah. inshallah, um, I really, my word for the year is um, congruence, because mm. it's like bringing it all together. Um, so in previous years, it's been about clarity and going big and that sort of thing. This year it's about congruence. It's about bringing it together into one story. And the story is all around oppression of Muslim women and ending that oppression. And so my goal for this year is to really launch that theme. And then everything that comes under that, it really is, as I explained to you, is my um, emotional well-being, which I've called back to the fitra coaching academy because in our islamic understanding we are born on a fitra and the fitra is that innate well-being so we are born in that perfect state and so going back to the fitra is like we're we're basically shedding all of the the corruption and everything that we've the hurt and everything that we might have experienced in our life to go back to the fitra back to that that state of um, innate resilience and so that's why I've called it back to the fitra and I have my first group of coaches that I'm training at the moment so that's a really exciting direction um, for my my business it just felt like it was the right time I've had a number of um, of our Muslim women who've been in my program for a number of years and they wanted the next step and the next step is that they want to go out there and do this work too so that's mm. great with my business, um, I'm really focusing on the concept of launch your legacy. So my focus is on more on women who are experts in their field, Muslim women who are experts in their field, who really want to focus on making a difference in the world for Muslim women and helping them bring their work online so that mm -hmm. they can have, they reach more people, have a greater impact and earn more reward in this life and the next, inshallah. 
So that, along with the Me First Summit and, of course, Peaceful Parenting is always there. What I'm finding is that the, the journey starts with the parenting and it makes sense because it's parenting that often brings our stuff to the surface and has us starting to have to work on things. So my, my work with women seems to start with parenting and then they end up into the back to the FITRA program because they want to get deeper into their own emotional well-being. Um, so there's peaceful parenting, back to the FITRA Launch Your Legacy, which is the business work, and then the Me First Summit, which is where we bring it all together and bring the experts and the people together. So that's, that's a pretty nice, um, uh, I mean, you have like a, a program for, for them at every level. And um, I mean, for me, I, I, I just having known you for the past, has it been like a whole year already? I think it has been our friend. Yeah, I think yes. it's been a year. So, yeah. So I, you know, I, I admire you and, um, you know, I'm, I'm really honored that you agreed to come on my show. And um, so just seeing where you were last year, which I already, you know, looked up to you as a superstar and then, you know, seeing where you're going this year, mashallah, you know, I'm just, um, you know, there, you, you are a, a pillar, I think, in the Muslim online space, definitely, um, to help other women to, um, to change, like you said, their parenting, because, um, that's, uh, most of us are married, most of us have children, and that is our driving force for wanting to start a business or do other things. But in that self-development space, right, we, we find that the blocks are, everything's all related. And um, no matter where someone is, when they come to you, you know exactly what bucket to help them in, you know? And I just think yes. that's so beautiful. And, and, you know, there's, there's like at least a billion, <laughs> right? So, or I guess only 600 million women, right? Because we're about more than half of the men. And um, so there's a lot of work to be done. So, and you can't do it all by yourself. <laughs> That's you know. right. That's why a lot of my message is about helping others get on the bandwagon and help as well, because, if we're going to end oppression for Muslim women, when, well, then we're all going to have to band together and support each other. And if it's okay, I'd like to take the liberty to say something on that, that yeah. one of the internalized oppressions that we as women carry, which we perhaps don't recognize, is our own version of misogyny. Mm. We don't back each other. We will choose a man over a woman to help us because we've got this internalized misogyny that men know better. We've been programmed with it from the minute we were born. And we need to recognize that because as women, we do need to stick together. It's a really tough world for women in the entrepreneurial space. It's even tougher as a Muslim woman. So as Muslim women, we need to be seeking out each other to help each other rather than seeking people outside of our community 
or the men even within our community because who's going to know better what you're going through than anyone else is your fellow Muslim woman. And if she has taken the time and the money and the effort and all the sacrifices she's had to make to become that expert to support you, then she deserves to have your support in you choosing her over anyone else. I, I absolutely agree. Um, that, that is a, a good point. Um, I guess in America, we call it um, women can be like crabs in a barrel sometimes, right? Right. Then rather to help um, each other out, we would, um, you know, oh, you know, she's just a woman. <laughs> um, but um, I, I feel like that is, there. there is a changing um, tide with that. You know, women are seeing, and you see it all over the world, right? There's all these women empowerment um, movements and conventions and whatever, and they're trying, you know? Um, but that that is a really good point. You know, something to, um, when we're introspecting, to question within ourselves um, when we're making our choice of who to work with on our business, you know, why do we think that it's better to work with uh, a Muslim brother over a Muslim sister um, or a man over a woman? And where does that come from? Is it true? You know, there's these three questions I always encourage people to ask themselves. What is the history of that? Is it true? And mm-hmm. um, and will it help you? You know, mm-hmm. you know. So when you yeah. examine what you actually desire, right, and what um, when you listed what support you needed, you know, when you start working, uh, when you compare the notes um, of who to work with, you know, just those are questions to ask. So, yeah. And, and I think that um, there's also, even within our space of Muslim women, we believe that somebody who's not Muslim would know better because um, it's a new space for Muslim women to be stepping into. And so we're judging perhaps the fact that they don't have a beautiful website or proper landing pages and everything and judging their expertise based upon what we see of them online. My experience is that the women that I come across, these Muslim women, some of them have 20, 30 years experience in their field. Just because they're new to being online doesn't mean that they're ex, just means that they're new to the online space and they're new to digital marketing. We shouldn't be judging people's expertise based on their ability to do digital marketing. We should be going back and judging them based upon, are they really the expert that I need? Or not judging at all. <laughs> yeah. Right? So well, we, we, when we're making a decision, obviously we're making some kind of judgment. So I'm not meaning in that judgmental term, but more in terms of when we're making that decision, the decision should be based on who is the right expert to help me, not based on anything other than that. Yes, exactly. I, yeah, I appreciate you bringing up those points, you know, for, for anyone who's who's listening, if you're a Muslim woman in business and you're seeking a business coach, I highly recommend you to seek um, 
Catherine Jones. Her website is catherinejones.com. It's catherinljones.com. They were going to right. charge me $3,000 to buy the domain Catherine Jones. So I put my middle initial in there and it was then it was only $12. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Catherineljones.com. Um, and to get her book, right, to get your book is the backslash step up. Yes. Well, they'll see on the front page if they scroll down, there's a button there that they can go and see about my book on the front okay. page of that website. Yeah. And also, I just want to invite you to, um, you know, I know how women are <laughs> and you mm-hmm. like um, to, to uh, a little bit get to know and rub shoulders with people first. So join her Facebook group. You, what's your main Facebook group? The, the free, cause I'm part of all of them. So. Um, yeah, I guess it depends what you want to do. Um, there's really two main Facebook groups, well, three actually. One is the Peaceful Parenting for Muslims Facebook group, mm-hmm. so that's for parenting. Then you've got the Me First Hub, which is basically the summit one, and I think that's probably a good one yeah. for everyone to join because there's something for everyone in there, and you've got all the experts that have been speakers in the summit as admins in there and at your availability if you've got questions so it's not just about me in there it's about everyone Um, and then you've got the um, beautiful Muslimopreneur business hub which is a bit of a long (laughs) winded one but that's the uh, that's the the one for business yeah so I think probably the the biggest and best one so people understand your community the best would be the um, the me first summit um, it's a me first, me first hub. Me first hub Facebook yeah. group. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put that, um, you know, whenever I'm posting about this um, interview. Um, yeah, because that that'll give you a good idea of the of Catherine herself and the women that she supported, the experts that um, are in her community. And um, really, like, speaking to the level of knowledge that they have, I mean, if I, anytime I go in there, it's like, I get stuck. It's like reading a book, you know, it's um, <laughs> There's very so many high- experts in there, isn't there, <laughs> from so many different backgrounds, but there's always something to read. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's not, you know, like, there's some groups you go into, and you're just, oh, why am I here, you know, but this group, it's like, it's 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 one place where you just want to be there. You know, you really, you know, so much good content and beautiful, beautiful women um, just loving on each other. You know, yep. often you hear uh, people talking about abundance mindset. And um, I think that your community really has, I mean, they they should be like the poster children for what abundance mindset looks like because and and I guess that it's it's probably just because um you know they're they're Muslim women and we our our focus is really more on you know just the intention right our, our intention in everything we do so we're all coming from a place of love and compassion so yeah I mean, that's that's my perspective. What, you want to add to that a little bit? 
I guess um, culture that I've wanted to develop in there that I've really wanted to encourage all the women that I work with that are also a part of the summit to see it as, you know, the billion, the, what was it that, did you say 800 or 600 million women out there? We don't need to fight each other for clients, but if we all are in there and supporting and showing up as experts, the people who resonate with us, they'll follow us. And if we have that mindset, and so we're just showing up in a giving way, then we're, we're going to earn reward for our efforts because we believe in, and for those who are not Muslim, we believe in earning reward in this life, you know, for the hereafter. We're going to earn reward just by showing up and being an expert and helping others. And then in return, those who need our help will follow us from that group out into our businesses and into our programs. And that's the way I look at it is it's the place where the experts and the people who need them connect. Yeah. And we really get that what's meant for us, you know, will come to us and what's not meant Mm -hmm. for us. You know, we, you know, like if I know sometimes if um, I see a post and I'm like, you know, that's really not my neighborhood. I'll let another sister know, like, look, did you see this post? And, um, you know, so she can help that person. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes yes. it may be like, like you work with emotional intelligence. I work with emotional intelligence, but we know the nuance of what we do. And so, mm-hmm. and who, you know, we want to work with and how we can work with and help people. So, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. feel like we're in competition with each other at all. I think we're all <laughs> out there doing this work together um, because, this is the description that I I use is that if, if we're on the edge of a a clear, smooth lake and we throw a pebble in the lake, we're going to make this ripple, right? An individual Mm -hmm. ripple. But if we're all surrounding the lake together and we're all throwing pebbles in the lake, all the ripples are going to end up interconnecting until we've covered the whole surface of the lake. And that's how I see it in terms of us all coming together as experts that eventually we will cover all the all the nooks and crannies of the earth and get help to all the women who need it across the globe. That's beautiful. And it's funny because I was just going to ask you, are there any closing remarks? That that's a that's a great and beautiful way to close our conversation, but I I would like you to pull out three points in particular um, that you would hope that our listeners would have gained from today. Well, I, I hope the key point I think I would like every everybody, doesn't matter who they are, doesn't even have to be a Muslim woman, gets from this is how powerful each individual can be just by working on their own selves and being a ripple in their own life. That this, That we don't need to have a hopeless attitude about, all the negative things that are happening in the world because we can't fix those because we can work on ourselves and the world around us. And that makes a difference because if everybody is doing that, it's just like the lake. It will make an effect. It will take effect. The power is in the masses. So I think that the work is at this grassroots level. And what is the grassroots? The grassroots are each and every individual. So, 
I think my parting remark would be do not underestimate the importance of your own self and the ability of your own self and what's possible. Have hope. Yes, exactly. Don't underestimate the power of your individual gift and have hope. Mm. Thank you so much, Catherine, for being here today. Like I said, you know, it's it's been an honor. I um you know, I'm I'm happy to be part of your community and I would love to probably have you back on here a little bit later in the year, uh closer to your summit. So you know Sure, that can... would be wonderful. I'd I'd love this year to get the summit far and wide because it is all about bringing help and hope to Muslim women and about ending oppression. Struggle that I've had is getting the word out there because Facebook keeps changing the algorithms and making it difficult. So every possible opportunity to spread the word um, would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, um, and also this conversation is something that, you know, we, um, we need to have in the open. You know, I know that, Muslims, we, we kind of keep to ourselves and I guess our our tradition is, you know, don't air our dirty laundry. But, you know, at some point, you know, there there are Muslims out there that live places and they don't, they, they can't hear us, you know, and they don't find us. So it's not so much about airing dirty laundry as it is to um, just making sure that we're all taking really good care of ourselves individually you know, and then the, and the world together. So, um, yeah, so I appreciate you being here today. Again, um, for those of you who want to know more about Catherine Jones, please go to CatherineLJones.com and all her links to everything she does. You can find them there, her book, her social media, and her different educational and coaching programs that she's outlined for us in this um, show and also sharing is caring. So if you've benefited from listening to our conversation today, please share this with somebody else. Um, Don't keep it to yourself. And I invite you to listen to the replenish me show the second and fourth Wednesdays of the month at 7 PM Eastern standard time. Um, And if you're in Australia, that would be, um, the next day, Thursday for you morning. Um, but to do tune in to the Replenish Me show second and fourth Wednesdays of every month. And um, if you want to know more about Catherine Jones, like I said, please reach out to her at CatherineLJones.com and have an amazing, beautiful evening or morning wherever you are in the world. Good night. <laughs>